Well, tolerance can be a good thing when defined properly. But the new definition of tolerance can be really dangerous. And it's a slippery slope. And it's especially a slippery slope for the church. These are interesting times that we're in, brothers and sisters. And they're times that we need the Lord of the church to help us navigate. We're going to learn more about Thyatira's tolerance and what we can do to make good, healthy stands for Christ today on Walk in Truth. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. Before we get started with today's message, we want to let you know that this is a listener-supported ministry. Call with your gift at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Now, here's Pastor Michael. There's some people deep down that don't want to get better. They don't. They're on our streets tonight. There's some people, if you've ever gotten involved with the homeless community, I'm not going to broad brush, but I'm going to say, there's some people, I've spoken to them fairly recently. One gentleman I can think in particular I said, why are you out here? You're articulate. It sounds like you, you have a trade you're good at. And he said, I decided that that's where I wanted to be. I simplified my life, and I'm just going to live out in a tent, you know, somewhere under a freeway or whatever. I'm like, really? Isn't it kind of dangerous? out? Oh, there's all kinds of drama out there, all kinds of drugs out there, all kinds of craziness out there. But that's where you want to be. Yep. <laughs> okay. And look, I'm not trying to be harsh, but there's some people standing by freeways with their signs. And I sometimes wonder, man, you spend so much time there. Maybe you should redirect that time towards looking for a job. I'm not trying to be harsh. Some people have legitimate, terrible stories and they need our help. But there's some people that don't want to get well. And here's the thing. Jesus says, look at verse 21, I gave her time. Here's the idea, folks. Jesus will give people a window of time to repent. And then if they don't, he can bring the hammer down. Have you ever had the hammer come down on you before? Anybody? <laughs> Anybody want to confess it? Oh, it's, it's much better if you would discipline yourself than allow the Lord to bring the board of correction to the seat of understanding, right? But Hebrews 12 says the Lord disciplines the son in whom he delights. And sometimes his discipline comes into our life. But this text implies, at least in this case, and probably in, in a wider sense, that he gives people a window of time to repent, uh, a season to repent. Sometimes we're playing with fire and the Holy Spirit saying to us, stop it, don't do that. Repent of it now. Okay, you made a mistake, but get back where you need to be. And if we keep playing with the same fire, eventually, because he loves us, he might cause something to happen in our lives. Jonah, of course, was rolling, running from the Lord, and Jonah had a custom-made fish for him, right? <laughs> Lord said, go to Nineveh, and Jonah said, made a sign, oh, no, I won't go. Oh, no, I won't go. He paid the fare. He went down. He went down. He went down. Finally, in the belly of the sea monster, three days and three nights, okay, Lord. 
I'll do what you've asked me to do. Bloop. Regurgitated prophet on the seashore. <laughs> Talking to the surfers. No tan. Acid juices from the seaweed turban going on. Started a new company after that. Behold, 22, I will cast her upon a bed of sickness and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of her deeds. Wow. It's been said that the bed of pleasure for many often becomes the bed of sickness. And I think you all know what I'm talking about. There are people who go that way and they live that lifestyle and the bed of pleasure becomes a bed of sickness. And sometimes that's just the natural consequences, but here it's the Lord pronouncing a terrible judgment, a bed of suffering, NIV, is coming unless she repents and they that follow her repent of her deeds. In fact, it says, I will send them into great tribulation. Here's the idea of flipsis. We talked about this. The great tribulation period is talked about a lot. Well, here's the idea of great tribulation as a judgment. I don't know if this is the great tribulation or if it's just going to be trouble in this immediate time or if it has connotations of both. But it's going to be some sort of suffering that comes from the hand of God. I heard a man being interviewed and he's connected with a very popular church today. And he was doing a Q&A time. And somebody asked him, is God ever responsible for sickness and suffering in people? And the automatic response for many is going to be no. God never causes stuff like that. But that's just simply false, you guys. It's false. Do you remember in 1 Samuel 5 when God caused the tumors to happen? Um, who was the people group? I'm trying to remember now. Philistines, right? And he caused tumors to break out on these people. And it wasn't pretty. In 1 Corinthians 11, because they were uh, going to take communion in a dishonorable fashion, they were getting drunk at the church potlucks. Jesus said that's, or uh, the word of God says through Paul, that's why some of you are sick and some of you have fallen asleep. Wow. You mean some conditions could come from the hand of God. Yes, Satan is sometimes involved, like in the story of Job. God allowed that. But here, he says, I'm going to send a bed of sickness her way. Now, I want to be careful to balance this. And I want to go back to this guy for a moment. So he says, no, uh, by his stripes, we are healed. Isaiah 53, which is out of context. The main context of that is spiritual healing, not physical healing. There is healing in the atonement, but it's not guaranteed. The main thrust of Isaiah 53, by his wounds we are healed, is spiritually. It's being born again. It's being healed on the inside. You can cross-reference 1 Peter 2, around 23 and 24. And so he says, no, Jesus could never be responsible for that. And I'm, and I'm like, that's false. That's just flat-out false. And here's why. It didn't fit with his view because he's a word-faith teacher. And he teaches that if you pray the right way, you should never be sick. You should always be prosperous. You should always be wealthy. And folks, this is not true. 
Jesus said, the poor you will always have with you. There's going to be some people, they can pray all they want. They're going to be poor. Now, making sense of all of this is not easy, but I want to balance this by saying it doesn't mean because you get sick that God is responsible for it. We've got to balance that, right? We live in a fallen world. But in some cases, God can deal with people this way. And in verse 23, it gets worse. He says, and I will kill her children. She's a spiritual mother. She has followers. So I don't think this is necessarily her literal children. But I will say this for a second, and I, I passed it by, is there are some people, there's a couple of versions of manuscripts that say, um, that imply that the Jezebel being spoken about is the pastor's wife. Now, if that is true, if that manuscript stream is correct, could you imagine the pressure in this church if she was the pastor's wife and she's teaching this stuff? And the pastor may be then someone like Ahab who's allowing his wife to take the spot that he's supposed to have authority and she's beginning to teach false teaching and he's not doing anything about it. That's what may be going on here. We don't know for sure. She may just be a woman who's part of the church, but God says, I will kill her children with pestilence, verse 23, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts and I will give to each one of you according to his deeds. Now, um, pestilence doesn't sound like any fun. Does it sound like any fun to you guys? Uh, no. So here's the thing. I gave her a space to repent. Sometimes when people, they call uh, Bible call-in shows and they say, what's with God wiping out the Canaanites and uh, those people groups? And, and usually the response is, look, folks, for hundreds of years, these people were given a space of time to repent and they were doing some awful things that I won't repeat here tonight, but I think you know what they are. And a space of time was given to repent, and then God's judgment falls. In fact, I would say to you, I'm surprised that God's judgment doesn't fall more frequently in the world that I look at tonight. If I had some buttons and I was sitting in heaven, <laughs> oh, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd be just sending lasers out. But anyway, but God is patient. But here it's gotten serious. But I say to you, 24, the faithful remnant here, the rest who are in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, that of Jezebel, who have not known the deep things of Satan, we'll talk about that in a second, as they call them, I place no other burden on you. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Sending lasers out. But anyway, but God is patient. 
But here it's gotten serious. But I say to you, 24, the faithful remnant here, the rest who are in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, that of Jezebel, who have not known the deep things of Satan, we'll talk about that in a second, as they call them, I place no other burden on you. You know, Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. To the Gentiles in Acts 15, written a letter after the first council of the church, they said, look, abstain from sexual immorality and blood and things sacrificed to idols, and we put no other burden on you. Jesus Christ is not in the business of putting burdens on his people. He is in the business of removing burdens from his people. But there is a burden implied here that we need to see. And that is Thyatira has not dealt with Jezebel. So no further burden here. I, pr- I place no other burden on you. End of 24 means you already got one that you got to deal with. And that is you got to deal with Jezebel. And in what way would the church deal with her, would you say? What would be the biblical remedy for a Jezebel? She's in the church. We hear she's at a Bible study and she's teaching this stuff. What would we do as a leadership? I'll tell you what. We're going to have a meeting with Jezebel. And we're going to talk about some ministry. And we're going to say, if you teach that, you don't go to living truth anymore, Jezzy. (laughs) Sorry. But... But if we're not on the same page and you're teaching the people I'm responsible to shepherd to do this stuff, you see, if we don't deal with Jezebel, you know what the fallout is? People end up sitting under her teaching and committing sin and thinking they're fine with God and think about the fallout. See, if you don't deal with sin in the camp, it ends up affecting a lot of people because a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. See, God says this for a reason. He says, look, get, the, get that out of there so it doesn't become a cancer among my people. This is your burden. Deal with it. What's, what's church discipline? Matthew 18, 15 through 18. You go to the person. You say, is this true? Is this what you're teaching? You make sure you have your facts straight. The person says, yes, it's what I'm teaching. You say, don't teach that anymore. They say, Uh, you can go take a hike. I'm going to teach this. I'm convinced that this is right. You bring two or three others. You say, don't teach that anymore. You can't teach that anymore. That is sinful. The person says, no, I won't repent of that. Then you tell it to the church. And even in doctrinal matters, Matthew 18 is more, if you see your brother sinning, in doctrinal matters, it's much more rapid. We need to know if someone's spreading false doctrine in this fellowship. We take that seriously. Now, there's some matters that we can debate and not divide over, non-essential stuff like the timing of the rapture, etc. But when it comes to this kind of stuff, uh-uh. And Jesus said, this is your burden. You got to deal with this lady and deal with her now. In fact, she apparently is telling people that they can get to know the deep things of Satan. What does that mean? Well, Christians can know 
obviously some depths of God. And the Gnostics used to say that you had to have secret passwords and codes to really know the deep things of God. But there it was a teaching afoot, even back in the day and even in modern times, that says, you know what, as a Christian, you're strong enough to deal with the deep things of Satan. So here's what this means. You can go into the trade guild and deal with the meat sacrifice to idols and be around all that stuff, and you're fine because you're strong enough as a Christian to to overcome it. So some people say, oh, go ahead and watch that horror movie because then you'll know what other people are experiencing and you'll be more effective as a minister. Sorry, thanks for playing. Tell him what he did. didn't win, Johnny. <laughs> That's from John the Beloved. I'm sorry, it just came out. <laughs> sorry, you don't need... I remember some years ago, my friends were going to see a Freddy Krueger movie. All right? So I go into the theater. I'm a teenager. Going to the theater. I a Freddy Krueger movie. Freddy Krueger. <laughs> That's how my friends talk. Freddy Krueger movie. <laughs> so we go in. Freddy Krueger starts doing some dastardly stuff on the big screen. And the people are chanting, Freddy, Freddy, Freddy. I tell you what, my, my conscience and my heart was torn up. I'm like, how can people watch that and cheer for that? It was sick. It was sad. And people say, oh, you, you can yeah, go into the fortune teller because then you can, you can find out what other people are experiencing. And then you'll be more effective. Well, there's some people that may stand outside the fortune teller's building to witness to her when she's done with her work, but don't go in there. Or don't go into, there's people who say, yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in um, to the bar. And you say, well, is that the ministry that God's calling you to? Well, yeah, I've been clean for six months. I, I think I've overcome my alcohol. No, wait, wait a minute. Or there are ministries that they witness to people coming out of pornography places. Okay, that's great. But if you have an issue there, I don't recommend that ministry for you. Because you're going to you know, put yourself in a compromising situation. So here's what the Lord says. Nevertheless, what you have, hold fast, take a firm grip on it until I come. Some think it could be the second coming. Some people think it has to do with uh, the believer going home to be with the Lord. But here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, hold on, hold on to me. Don't give in. Hold on to the gospel. Hold on to that faith. Hold on to that truth. Don't give in. Every day, you're going to have to be able to deal with that idea and say, I'm going to take my stand today. Don't worry about yesterday. You can't change yesterday. You can't control tomorrow. But today, take your stand. Amen? Take your stand. Everybody else is given in. It's easy to give in. It doesn't mean you're not going to have moments of weakness as a Christian. But you can overcome through Jesus Christ. And he who overcomes, 26, and he who keeps my deeds until the end, to him I will give, this is amazing, I will give authority over the nations. And I, I believe here, folks, that all true believers will overcome. Be an overcomer. 
Not one who succumbs to pressure, to the pressure of the world. You see, the process of church discipline is preparation for ruling in the age to come, says one writer. Think about it. If you have to deal with some stuff this side of heaven, like some church discipline, or you got to deal with a friend that may be going astray, well, the Bible says, overcomers, and I believe this is all Christians, who keep my deeds until the end, to him I will give authority over what? Over the nations. We are going to rule and reign with Jesus for a thousand years, Revelation chapter 20, And we're going to have responsibility in the millennium. And we'll have some sort of authority in the millennium. I don't know what that's going to look like. I'm hoping for an 18-hole golf course that I can have authority over, personally. But anyway, that's just me. And he says, And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, or a scepter, as the vessels of the potter are broken to pieces, as I also have received authority from my Father. Man, this is awesome. And I will give him the morning star. One commentator says, the morning star of Venus was a symbol of sovereignty in the ancient world, and especially in Rome. Roman emperors claimed to be descended from the goddess Venus. Roman generals built temples dedicated to the star, and it was a sign carried on the standards of the Roman legions. But Christ is the true morning star. The morning star is a symbol associated with the messianic reign of Christ, the thousand-year reign of Christ. Some of us know that Lucifer, there, there's some, something in his name that may mean brightness or bright star, but the true morning star is Jesus. He is the bright and morning star, and wherever he shines, darkness must flee. Amen? Write down Numbers 24, 17, and Luke 1, 78 and 79, where it says, to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. He who has an ear, verse 29, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You know, when the Bible talks about the arrival of the Messiah, it says that those who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And Jesus' light can shine into any dark situation, any dark heart. Maybe you find yourself in a place of darkness right now. You've been listening to this with a sense of desperation. Maybe you reopen the door to darkness. Well, we've been hearing these teachings as as Jesus gives his correction to the church. He says, let him who has ears to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. You see, we are the church, brothers and sisters, and we need to hear what the Lord of the church is saying to us. And man, we need to hear the commendation when he commends us and encourages us to hold on and hang in there, but when he corrects us to align our lives with that correction, because it will only be for our good and for a blessing. Hey, I'm Pastor Michael Lance, and I want to thank you for listening to Walk in Truth. I would love to hear from you today, and so would our team. It really encourages us when you reach out to us. Let us know that you're out there, you're listening, and that the program is encouraging and blessing and even challenging your life. Recently, we received a card from a listener in Carson, California, and they said, I want to thank you for your inspirational radio preaching and teaching every day. It's a blessing to me and to my husband. And you know, that listener reached out to us and a friend, I just want to thank you if you're listening today and you wrote that note. We really appreciate it. 
and it's a blessing to us. We have a team here who is working hard on this ministry to get it out there. And man, when you when you send those words of encouragement, it really blesses us. So thank you. And it's a true blessing. Now, I would love to hear from you as well, my friend, my brother, my sister. What are your thoughts on the book of Revelation so far? Are you benefiting from this study? You may be facing some things that you need prayer for. And if you do, you can reach out to us. There's a couple of ways that you can do this. You can reach out by email when you email us at contact at walkintruth.com. Or you can mail in your letter at P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. That's P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. We look forward to hearing from you, and it's a blessing when you reach out to us. Now, just so you know, Walk in Truth is a ministry of a great church in the city of Corona called Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It is our desire to equip you with the Word of God and continue to let it work in your life, in your family, everywhere you are, your workplace. You see, we are the church, and we need to shine out there in the world. Now, if you'd like to learn more about Living Truth, our service times, Bible studies, kids' vacation Bible school, youth groups, and much, much more, download our free app in your app store. If you download the Living Truth app in your app store, you'll always know exactly what's going on at the church in Corona. Now, you'll know it's our logo by looking for the red logo with the pillars. Download it now. Come back tomorrow as we begin teaching in Revelation chapter 3, The message is called Sardis, the Dead Church. Can you imagine being part of a church that had a reputation as a dead church? Well, maybe you feel that way. Maybe you feel like the church that you're going to right now is dead. And here's the question. Are you part of the solution or part of the problem? Why would the Lord of the church call one of the seven churches in Revelation dead? Well, here's the deal. They thought they were alive but they were dead. Oh, how we need to hear what the Lord of the church says to this church, Sardis. And we're going to get in that tomorrow on Walk in Truth. Look forward to seeing you. Until then, God bless you. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.